Richtig. Yeah. I'll just finish the story, then we finish start the ayah there. Huh? Okay, go ahead, go ahead. SubhanAllah, you know, it's just uh, the fact that we have two internet. Do you know that? Which masjid has? There were two internet providers here. Two separate ones that we pay a bill every month. Simply because if one goes down, we have the backup of the other. AT&T and Comcast. Allah will for both of them to go down today. So now I'm connecting via Zoom here and then it will be sent over, I guess, to the YouTube link. Okay. Okay, so for those of you who are joining us online now, may Allah reward you for your patience. We, for, uh, we ask um, forgiveness for, uh, for our technical difficulties. I was just mentioning to the brothers here that we have two separate internet providers, Comcast and AT&T. But I'm not sure because of snowstorm or what, both of them went down. And um, so now we're just joining in through Zoom. So this, this uh, the, 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 uh, we are covering from Surah Al-Imran. We are discussing Maryam Alayhi story in the background from ayah number 35 of Surah Al-Imran, wherein Maryam's mother says, I have vowed to give whatever's in my stomach as a free for, for Allah's khidmah, all right, endowed for Allah's khidmah, for the deen. And so Allah accept, accept it from me. Indeed, you're all hearing and all knowing. And we talked about the fact that this is what the parents need to focus on is how we can all dedicate our children to some degree to the khidmat of deen. And if a person thinks that hevl is the way, then that's incorrect. One method is memorizing the Quran, but that is not the end all, right? There are so many different ways a person can dedicate their children to deen. Now, when she gave birth, she was expecting probably a boy. He'll go become an alim and imam in the masjid, you know, at that time, you know, be a mujahid, whatnot. What did she say? She said, Rabbi, oh my Lord, inni wa unsa. I've given birth to a daughter. What does Allah say? Wallahu a'lamu bima wada'at. Only Allah knows what you actually gave birth to. SubhanAllah. Why did Allah say this? Because you don't know. You're thinking that this is the girl. What you know? What is she gonna is she gonna be able to do what my 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 what I had plans for? You know, my my son will serve the deen. You have no idea. Allah knows actually what you gave birth to. This female, boy, she's gonna outdo all the other males. What she's going to do is going to be something that your son would not have been able to do. She is going to become, say, right? she's going to really going to have an amazing, bright future in the way she's going to change the course of history. Males are not like females, meaning that males are, are different from females. They both have separate strengths and they have separate weaknesses. Both. So there's hate in each one of them. If there's, you know, there's something in each one of them that's not found in the other. You need both of them. You need both of them. So don't think that you cannot serve the deen if you are a girl. Don't think if you have daughters, they cannot serve the deen. This is what this ayah is saying. You, you don't know. Your job, this is not in your choice to have a son or a daughter. You leave it up to Allah. What you need to do is make niya. Then in that future, you say, Allah, I want to dedicate this child to the deen. And let Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala chart the path. We simply have to make the dedication. 
Maryam. Oh Allah, I have named her Maryam. According to some narrations, Maryam in the original language means someone who worships Allah extensively. So she already mentioned the good name. We learn from here the importance of parents giving their children good names. Because for one aspect, tafa'ul, that through their good name, we hope that Allah will create those good qualities within the child. The names definitely have an effect. That's why Nabi والسلام, would see some, some, some people who would accept Islam and they would have names that were like harb, war. And you would say, no, no, why are you keeping this name? Like, change it. Or some, or, or, or some aspect of sabr or patience. So why are you keeping a name like that? Why are you asking for trouble to come? You're going to have to make, you have to be patient when what? When you get afflicted. If you instead become shakir, then inshallah Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will allow you to be, do a lot of shukr when you're going to be enjoying your blessings. So Nabi salam, even for a, non, a new Muslim, he was very particular in making sure that if their name did not have a good meaning, he would change it. With the hope that through the barakah of this name and the blessing of this good name, good things would come. Nabi salam, do you remember we did in, in, in last surah, Fatih, that uh, they were in the midst of the Sulah Hudaybiyah and trying to be in the midst of that whole standoff and uh, before the treaty was written and Sahal ibn Amr radiallahu anhu or Suhail ibn Amr radiallahu anhu came in and Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, oh, Sahal kamane asani, ease. Sahal has come, so inshallah ease will come. What is that? That's taking a good omen from a name. So it is a responsibility of parents to choose not the most unique names, but rather good names. Okay? So for all the ones who are expecting children soon, my dear friends, look, you know, if someone did a search or research on this, what is the, one of the top questions that all the fatwa websites get? I'm serious. They checked on this. One of the most asked questions on all the fatwa websites is the meaning of names. Is really that the most important question? There's so many more important things. Why is this happening? It's because everyone wants a very unique name. Like you have a unique license plate or unique this. They think that by me having a unique name, that's going to make them unique. That's not the case. Okay. Instead, we just did the, uh, uh, we hear about the fact that how the Sahaba, the junior Sahaba would name their children after the senior Sahaba. So naming our children after the Sahaba was during the time of Rasulullah, right after his demise as well. Because they wanted those good qualities of the likes of Abu Bakr and Umar and Abdullah and Rawaha and Zubair and Awam and whatnot, all those great Sahaba, they want, every father wanted and mother wanted those qualities to come in their children. So let us not please go on a search for finding the most, you know, new name. And just why, when people ask me, I say, I don't know, go check a dictionary. I don't know. If I don't know, why even ask? If I don't know the meaning, then the khalas, I don't even know why you name your kid this. Name your child after a sahabi or a prophet of Allah. Khalas. But a sahabi or a sahabiya. And look based on their history, what, what you like, what, you, what aspects. So that means study a little bit about the history of sahaba and sahabiyat. Read up about them. Or go to an alim. If you want to go to a scholar, don't just say name my child. It's very confusing. From what? This is what our ustad used to say. What are your other children's names? And number two, do you have your top three or top four? Present that. Or you have any type of qualifications? Then it has to be three letter, four letter, whatever the case may be. One of the qualifications should definitely be something that is going to be pronounced easily and cannot be messed up and mis misrepresented. That's one of the 
worst things we do. We're living in an environment in which no one pronounces Arabic properly. Even we don't as Muslims. We do not pronounce our names properly. What do you expect from non-Muslims? They're not going to do it. So do not give a name to your child that is difficult to pronounce properly and the, the, their poor's name, kid's name is going to be butchered all life. And then the name is not only butchered, the meaning also gets butchered. Sometimes a very bad meaning. Sometimes a very bad meaning in Arabic. Sometimes a very bad meaning in English. That's why think. Think about how is the transliteration going to work? How is the pronunciation? Go ask your non-Muslim neighbor. Hey, how do you pronounce this? See what he says. Right? Before we end up just naming our kids. So Maryam is a very beautiful, easy name. No, but I have someone in my great-grandmother's name. So what? <laughs> may, may Allah make our pious like your great-grandmother, man. What's the big deal? Why do we have this obsession with trying to be unique? Let's remove that from our mindsets. So she named her a very good name. And then he says, she says, Oh Allah, I seek refuge in you from her and her children from being affected by the accursed shaitan. Notice what did she do? She turned to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for seeking protection for her daughter. And then she didn't stop there. She also went on to say duriyataha. What does this mean? You have to focus on grand. She was just born. Already she was making fikr and concern for the generations. So that is, that, that's exactly what a good mother does. So what did Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala say? Hasan. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accepted her in the most beautiful manner. Accepted who? Accepted Maryam. And Allah raised her and made her tarbiya in the most beautiful manner. And then Zakaria was made the mentor and teacher. Parents are alive, but you need a mentor and a teacher. So Zakaria was a relative, a direct relative. He becomes the mentor of, of Maryam. So my dear parents, as good parents, we need to have good children, names for our kids. We need to make good intentions for them serving the deen. And then we need to have a role model for them. We have to. If our daughter does not have any uh, good, uh, you know, example for her to look up to, what is she, what is she going to do? She's going to look at who's, who's, who is the influencer on Instagram. That's going to be her role model. Who is the one who's got the most like TikTok videos? That's going to be the influence for my kids. Because we have not provided an alternative. So that's a responsibility as moms and dads that we have to find, you know, play dates for our kids, for our younger kids, and even older kids. It's not only during the shadi time that we say, Chalo bhai, let's go to this dawat, so that you run into some other girl there, and then, you know, you fall in love, and shalom, so that's what happens nowadays, right? People showing up to the wedding in, in, with the intention of that maybe he will look at her, and she will look at him, and, you know, something happens. Yeah. This needs to be done from a young age that you find like-minded people, who are a good influence for your sons and a good influence for your daughters. Very important. So she made Mary Zakaria in charge of her, the tarbiyah of her child. Now the story, this part of the ayah I've translated a couple weeks ago. How, how beautiful of a tarbiyah this Zakaria, I mean, Maryam had. She became a really pious lady. Every single time Zakaria would show up would come to her secluded place of ibadah. Look at this beautiful girl, this young lady, what piety she had. She had her own little ibadah place. She had her own musalla in her room or in her house. Okay? She had her place for doing ibadah. 
Does he have like a playroom, have an ibadat room? So Zakaria, whenever he would come there, for example, to teach or whatever, she would find, he would find food. And like we said last time, food out of fruits, out of season, random fruits. And he would say, Oh, Maryam. Where did you get this from? Who's bringing the food here to you? I don't see anyone bringing food here. Where are these fruits out of season coming to you? Like this is when the student impresses you, right? So the student turns around and tells her teacher, It's come from Allah SWT. I remember growing up, this story that my mother and you know my teacher, etc. shared with me growing up, this of, of, a, of, a, of a mother who made tarbiyah of her children so beautifully. That the mother would tell the child every day when you come back from school, the first thing you do is you go, you make two rakah salah, and you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all your needs and ask Allah for your dinner as well, or your lunch or dinner, whatever. And then when you come after that, you come to the kitchen at such and such place, open this cabinet and your food will be there from Allah. So the kid would do that every single day. He'd come, do his wudu, as soon as he come back from school, pray a salah and go there and pull out, open the cabinet and shelf and sure enough, his food would be there. The one day, this mother got caught up in something and she didn't come home on time. Hence, she was not able to put the food there the way she used to every single day. So when she came home running, at eventually, she got so worried about her little child that, you know, poor kid didn't get the food today. And when she came home, lo and behold, Aram said, you know, he's eaten and he's relaxed and he's doing his whatever work. So she asked him, what happened, my beta? You ate? And he said, yeah, of course I ate. What do you mean? I, of course I ate. But only thing was a little bit different today. And so she asked him, what do you mean it was different? He said, like my usual my usual method, I prayed my salah, I went in to go look, and there was no food today, I don't know why. So then I thought it must be something wrong, so I went and prayed again. And I went back again, it still wasn't there. Then I went back, you know, did, redid my wudu, re-prayed my salah, made a longer dua, alhamdulillah, third time, my food was there. So the mother didn't, was speechless, right? Speechless that, mashallah, wa ta'ala, I didn't even realize where this yaqeen is taking him. My mothers and my fathers, I'm asking you, like seriously, who else besides you can teach this yaqeen to your kids? No one. So those children who've been taught this type of yaqeen by their parents, they're blessed. But maybe we don't have that. But please, teach it to your children. Your son comes to you crying. Before you say, beta, beta, here, let me give you Tylenol. No. Tell him, put your hand on the place of where your headache is and, or your toothache is and read. After me. Allahumma inni a'udhu bika min sharri ma'ajidu awhadir. Okay, let me read to you. Wallahi, this will work. Because not on the base of my yaqeen, the base of the little innocent kids' yaqeen. Because we don't have the yaqeen. We're like, this is just, you know, you know, we have to repeat it. No, that little kid, he has conviction that this, whichever guru said, like a little child, you say, uh, you're trying to put him to sleep, you say, you know, if you don't go to sleep, the Buddha is going to come. All right? This is a scary monster is going to come. He believes you. There's yaqeen there. So why don't we use that in a positive sense? Then listen, if you read this dua, you will find your lost item. You've lost your watch. Read, Read, uh, Read, ya jami'a. You have, you have problem in your stomach ache in your, in your school? Don't go to the nurse's office and call me immediately. Read, Ya Shafi. Ya Allah, Ya Shafi. Read that. Five, four, five minutes, read. If it still doesn't work, the next thing you call. Who's going to teach that? Do we teach this to our kids? How do you expect the yaqeen? You think just randomly with a high school certificate, college certificate, yaqeen is going to come in? It never will come in. Never. And so the, it's much harder for the yaqeen to come in later on. 
our our issue is the way we should be. Beta, you left you left without a cell phone, you left without a wallet, come back over here. Make sure you wear your seatbelt. How it should be. Did you read your Salatul Safar before you left? Uh, come back here. Come back home, read your Salatul Safar before you leave. Every single child before he goes out to school, before he goes to school, read your Salatul Hajj, Salatul Ishaq before you headed to school. Otherwise, you get back here. That's a tarbiyah. He's it's embedded in his mind that amal to amal my solutions solutions to my problems will be there. I'm telling you, this is so true. This is so true. May Allah reward my parents and my grandparents and my teachers. And this is how I was raised, right? And I can t I tell this to the students. The yaqeen I had as a seven year old, I wish I can bring that yaqeen back. It was just amazing. It was so amazing. Like seriously, I mean, more about yaqeen than I have in this water. I had an amal, right? Anything I knew, Surah Fatiha. If I read this, will be done. And Allah treated me based on that too. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala treated me based on that yaqeen. Whatever issue it was, it was in my mind. As soon as a problem happened, run to Salat al-Hajjah, run to Surah Fatiha with this conviction that whatever my problem is will get solved. And I can share with you so many stories. And the reason I'm sharing this, and this is not boastful and arrogant and, and self-praise is because I'm not, I don't have that level of yaqeen. Because I, that innocence was there. I didn't know means. I didn't know behind the scenes all this stuff that we know now. Now to build that level of yaqeen is going to take a much greater challenge. You follow what I'm saying? Because you're innocent. You don't know these. You don't, you don't, shaitan doesn't play tricks and you don't have the understanding of all how things work. Now we know the lawyer's number, the doctor's number and this and that. So in credit card and so forth. So all our mind goes through all these means. The child doesn't understand all these means. He goes directly to Mustafa al-Asbab. <laughs> right, so my mom it reminds me too, and I remember too. You know, Subhanallah, my uh, my uh, uh, I knew the duas, and my dad will tell you as well. When I didn't do my sabak, I knew exactly what to read. When my father's gonna come home after work, he's gonna get really mad at me. I just think about it. I'm going back in time as a seven year old to know that my father's gonna come back home, he's gonna get mad. I didn't do my sabak, I'm gonna get in big trouble. So let me read duas, right? He'll tell you, you can ask him that, right? And then khalas, the conviction that this, that that you know what. With Quranic verses, everything gets solved. Your dad's anger is going to go like that too. Everything, right? Subhanallah. That's something that I learned from my parents. That's something I learned from my teachers. That's something I learned from my environment. That's the same thing we all need to give to our children as well. Teach them not just how to earn money, but more importantly, teach them how to earn success in this world and the next through the means shown to us in the Quran and Sunnah. Salat al-Hajjah will answer all your problems. Teach them that, right? And then through their du'as, what's going to happen? Your own pain. Because they have more yaqeen than us. You're suffering, tell your eight-year-old. Tell your six-year-old girl. Tell your five-year-old son. Pray for me. That dua of that innocent kid is going to reach the throne of Allah. Right? But the, you will get the reward because you have taught him that. MashaAllah. So he said over here, you know, Zakaria enters and he said, where did you get this food? And she says, didn't you teach me? This is what you taught me. So Zakir learns a lesson. He's reminded that, uh, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is a provider of fruits out of season without means that I can also ask for a child without means, right? Without having, well, my wife is barren. I'm so old, 90, 100 years old. I can ask, why not? Indeed, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives whoever he wishes without any account. So now, dear friends, let's go back to now where we are in this, in Surah Al-Maryam. It's very important. We got the background of Maryam's mother and what type of piety she had, and what, what are the qualities she had. What did Maryam do now? She grows up into being a very righteous, pious lady. And she then, she took, she withdrew for her family to an Eastern place. Why did she withdrew? Notice her childhood, she's in a mihrab, making ibadah. When she grew older, she said, you know, I need to take some time off from the chores of my house. And I do, and I need to do i'tikaf. I, I spoke about khalwa last week, same thing. I need to do i'tikaf. So she went either to the eastern part of Bayt al-Baqdis. She's right around that area, right? So the eastern part of, 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 of the Masjid al-Aqsa and Bayt al-Baqdis or the eastern part of her home. 
But the key point, it's Eastern. Why is she leaving her home or leaving the environment of her home? It's because there's too much distractions and she wants to have some downtime with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? To recharge the battery. So she separates herself from her family because sometimes family becomes the biggest stress, biggest obstacle, biggest everything. So a person needs to leave. Someone says, no, I'm okay. I'm staying at home. And you don't realize your environment at home is what's exactly pulling you down. That's what it is. You need to take time off. You need to take time off to come away from the family or away from your normal routine to just do ibadah. You know, and this is for women as well. If they can take some time off to go to their, you know, a parent's house or whatnot for some time, a day or two and say, what's the purpose for it? Yeah, we have relaxation. Yes, that's there too. But I'm talking for the sake of ibadah. Right. I've talked about this the other day too, or like last week in the khatir. Having time for our women to be able to do ibadah, to say an hour a day of reciting Quran, an hour a day learning Arabic, an hour a day of learning fiqh. It's all every the time stops, the children are taken care of by the husband. And this is the time giving to the wife for her to be able to educate herself. Saturday mornings, Sunday mornings, whatever the case may be. We have to give them this time for them to learn or to focus on their ibadah. Makan and Sharqiya Eastern side. Abdullah ibn Abbas says, I know why the Christians face the East. And he said, this is the verse. Because Maryam salam was also facing the East. Okay. So the scholars explain that Maryam salam, of course, mother of Isa, what is she following? She's following the religion of Musa. She's following the Torah. She's following the religion of Zakariya, who's from Bani Israel, who's from the follower of Musa. So the, the, the Jews they used to face the east, Solomon's temple. And the majority, of the majority of the Jews were living on the western side of the temple. So that's why they used to face east. And apparently till today as well, the, uh, the, um, con uh, the conservative Jewish people who pray regularly, the east, they have an eastern side of their house that's got a special name. That's their mihrab in their house, the eastern part of the wa wall of their house. Okay, and even Greek Orthodox and some of the Orthodox Christians also, when they pray, they pray towards the east because they follow the religion passed down from where? From right, they're, they're, uh, a, a version of Judaism. So they have that whole eastern part in there. So, Maryam, you understand here, Maryam, radiallahu anha, praying in the eastern direction. She did not just withdraw from her family and pray in the eastern direction, she placed a veil between herself and them. Secondary. Um, you know, uh, uh, method here used of seclusion. Separate yourself and then put a veil. Why do you need to put a veil there? Because you don't want, what happens in etikaf, right? The, a person's doing etikaf in the masjid, randomly someone taps you, hey, hey, what's going on? And now you want to talk. I mean, you don't want to talk. You want to read your Quran. You know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> right? That's why the Sunnah brothers used to always tell me, can we please separate? Please, Sunnah and Nafil, man. We came here for 10 days, brother. We came for focus. We don't want the Nafil brother sometimes to come for one day and he wants to just, you know, he wants to chit-chat. That's good for him. I, don't, I didn't come here for chit-chat. I dedicate 10 days of my time. I can't talk to anyone. Can you create a separate place? Well, obviously, with the, with, now we have more intizam, mashallah, mashallah. So hopefully this year and the future years, may Allah bring, again, the, the environment of Etikaf back. Say, I mean, Right, so we'll have a lot more place, inshallah, for those brothers doing nafil, separate food arrangements, separate all that stuff. Inshallah, inshallah, we'll be able to do that. But the idea is, you need to put a barrier. That's why many masjids they have the, the people they go into their little uh, uh, secluded areas. In Atikaf, they have the pardas and the chadars and the you, you know the the veils and the sheets, bed sheets tied from one place to the other. What's the purpose of that? To give a little bit of seclusion, so people don't just randomly start talking about other stuff with you. So she did that. 
And um, that's not enough. For us, the hijab that we have to put is between us and our biggest distraction. For me and for all of us probably, the biggest distraction is our phones, right? That's why there's no etikaf if the phone is with us. There's no etikaf, we're wasting our time. We have to be able to put our phone away. Even if you want to come for between Maghrib and Aisha, you want to sit in the masjid. And by the way, you can do that. You can do etikaf on any given day, nafil etikaf for as little as you want. I tell the students who stay in the masjid and study, I said, make niyad etikaf every day. Your reward is going to be much, much more. You sit as it is, you're sitting six, seven hours in the masjid or eight hours. Now make niyad etikaf. So you, right now, as we're sitting listening to this tafsir here, all of us should make niyad etikaf. Right? Every day, every Thursday, every Tuesday that you come here. But ya Allah, I'm secluding myself. I could be at home right now enjoying dinner or do something else. I secluded. I left everyone I came to Darussalam to sit here. So I'm now in the state of i'tikaf, right? For the sake of Allah, for one and a half hour. Those women at home, the i'tikaf for women is at home. They separate themselves for, for a certain period of time and they just do ibadah. But in order for this i'tikaf to take place, the biggest distraction, the phone, we can leave it in the car or leave it, you know, somewhere silent or whatever, the airplane mode, etc. An hour a day. You want to come from uh, Isha to uh, 10 o'clock. You want to come from Maghrib to Isha? You can go ahead, do niyab i'tikaf and you sit. So Allah says, Then we send to her our spirit. Now Allah calls Jibreel our spirit. There is much detail that can, we can go into, but we will not do so. Ruh is used in approximately seven different ways, seven different meanings of Ruh in the Quran. But in this place, what does Ruh mean? In this place, Ruh means Jibreel Amin. Okay? It does not mean um, the Ruh that's in our body because people get confused. What does it mean? We sent, this is where the Christians who want to convert Muslims into Christianity will take this verse and say, oh, look what it says here. It says, we sent uh, uh, to her our spirit. There you go. That's straight from the Quran, the Holy Spirit. Right? Ruh, no, I'm serious, right? This is the very big So, Ruh comes in seven different meanings. Ruh al Quds. Allah calls Jibreel Ruh al Quds, right? The, uh, the, uh, the Holy Spirit. That's the word that's used. So, and it's also, they ask you about the soul. Tell them the soul is from the command of your Lord, my Lord. He, he says, be in it. So don't try to understand the reality of the soul. You're never going to get to it. You won't make sense to you. So why is Jibreel Amin called Ruh? Why is his laqab or his, his nickname or his honor, honorific title? Why is it called Ruh? Because Ruh comes from Raha. What is Raha? Comfort. Right? Raha? Comfort. Peaceful. So what does, what does Jibreel Asad bring? What, he brings what? Comfort, but how? What, what is the thing he comes with? Revelation. Wahi, be it Quran or the other books. And what does revelation give to you? It gives you comfort in your heart. It gives you comfort of the mind. When, you, when, you're, when your life follows wahi and revelation, then you lead a very comfortable, peaceful life. That's why he's called ruh. Okay? So why has it been called our ruh? So, bhai, what is, what is a masjid? Masjid ko Allah ka ghar. The house of Allah. So yeah, you're going to come, is Allah residing in here? Of course not. Right? It's called idafa tashrifiyah. This possessive form of our ownership is simply to give it honor. So you say, Allah kaghar, baytullah, the house of Allah. Or you say, shahrullah al-muharram, as it comes in, in, in the hadith. The month of Allah al-muharram. What does that mean, month of Allah? The house of Allah. Right? All of this stuff, it simply means this, it's an honor given to 
given to the month. It's an honor given to this place of worship, etc. So this is uh, like we talk about so and so. Who is he? Ye to hamara bachcha hai. Bachcha, mashallah, ke panchwa bachcha hai. Nee pata tamen. You have a fifth son. He says no. Even in English, he's my boy, or he's my son, or he's like my son, right? What is the idea? Hey, we're really close, man. He's my brother. Really, he's your brother? No, he's brother from another mother. <laughs> so that's what it is. This is ilafa tashriqiya. So Jibril being called Allah's ruh by no means is not what these, these others try to make us understand or believe. It's simply ruhana means Allah subhanahu wa taala saying this is the honor we've given him that we're calling him our ruh, meaning it's come from us, just like our house, our month, our ruh. So then Angel Jibreel appeared to her as a flawless human being. Now, tamathala. Tamathala means uh, to change form, to transform. A mumathil, you know what a mumathil means? What? An actor, right? Mumathil means an actor because an actor keeps on changing his form, right? It takes different roles. So tamathala means to change the form. So Angel Jibreel did not come in his original form. As it comes in the hadith of Badul Wahi, how revelation began, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam saw Jibreel twice in his original form only. And the, he saw him and it left a very strong impression on him. His feet were on the ground. His head was still the eye can see in the highest part of the, of, of the sky. He had his wings spread out and one wing covered the entire east, the other east to west, the other covered, you know, the, the other side. And then the Prophet Sallallahu said he has 600 such wings. And basically, wherever you look, it was only Jibreel. Everywhere. Just imagine the scene. Imagine the scene. You see a head all the way till the top. All the way past the moon. Right? Past the sun. Just the head. And then you look at the feet all the way at the, at the Just keep on going. And all around, you just see wings. And you are being told this is only two out of 600. God, Allah. Right? And even Jibreel Amin says, if I go beyond Siddhartha Muntaha, I will be turned into dust. I can't go beyond that. In front of Allah, he comes like a little sparrow. He comes like a sparrow as he presents himself to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So that, seeing Jibreel in his original form is very intimidating. That is why Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells to the disbelievers, why do you keep on not wanting to believe in Nabi Muhammad? Then you say, oh, we wish the Quran was sent down by angels. Do you think you could even handle seeing an angel? You would die. What makes you think you could see an angel? The only people who see the angel is the ones who are dying. Think about that. You hear what I just said? The one who is dying. If you see an angel, and there's many cases like that. We heard of, uh, I think it was Mona Suleiman Janji, uh, if, I, if I'm not mistaken. One of the ulama uh, uh, who, who had divert, dedicated himself to the effort of Dawah in Tabligh in, in India, New Delhi that he was sitting in the morning mashwara, you know, after Fajr, the mashwara, what, what are the things, we, a morning meeting, basically. What are we going to be deciding? Who's going to give the bayan? What's the program's going to be? What jamaat are coming? This that. The morning mashwara was taking place. And those who are present there mentioned that the mashwara was taking place like this and the door is behind me. And he said, all of a sudden, Maulana, he started speaking in Arabic. They're like, there's no Arabs here at the moment. Why is he speaking in Arabic? He said, marhaba, marhaba, marhaba. He started speaking in Arabic. Come, come, come. Ajab, I make space for them in Arabic. And so everyone thought, okay, there must be some Arab guests. So they turned around to see, and there's no one there. And they turned around, he had passed away. <laughs> he was receiving angels. One of our relatives, my father's cousin's husband, on the 12th of Rabi'ul Awwal, he was um, 
on uh, on a journey. He, he had moved to Saudi and he was on a journey. He was going from, from work. He was going with his work uh, driver that, you know, the company had provided. I think so. He was going to Medina Munawara. And the, what I heard from those who are, you know, who heard from directly from the driver is that in the car, he was speaking about the birth of Rasulullah and details of the seerah. And he was, he was headed towards Medina. So you want to speak about those type of things, right? To create the vibe in the environment. And it was the 12th of Rabiul Awal, Itifaqan, you know, coincidentally that day. So the driver says that as he was speaking, he got so deep into the conversation about the birth of Rasulullah that he started describing weird things and talking about angels. And talking about how angels are coming in like all as though in the present tense. So the, the story became very descriptive and it changed into present tense and the discussion of angels came about there. All of a sudden, they got hit by a police car at 120 miles an hour. And the car just torpedoed into the ditch. And subhanAllah, they sent a, you know, a helicopter to pull him out from there. And he passed away. The driver survived. He passed away. He knew his, his body was washed there and he was he's buried in Jannah al-Baqiyah, right? in Medina Munawwara. May Allah uh, uh, favor his soul with special mercy and may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant, grant uh, 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 sabar to his whole family and may Allah allow his children and all his relatives to follow in his footsteps. There must have been something beautiful he had done. And it's interesting. It's so interesting that six months before that, I was in Umrah and I had no idea I was there. I had no idea. Six months before that, approximately, I was in Umrah and I was in Masa. I was doing Tawaf. And I read, I was doing Sa'id. And right by the Mount Safa, my eyes fell upon him. And I hadn't seen him for years. And I was like, wait, wait, hold on. Is that you? Uh, and my, you know, basically my uncle. And, and he greeted me and he said, yeah, subhanAllah, I moved over here. So it was just interesting that that's the last I had seen him was doing, you know, Umrah. And mashallah, he passed away on the way to Medina. And so um, he wasn't an alim. He wasn't someone, uh, you know, is connected to this and that. But that's, that's what you don't know who's, who's special in the eyes of Allah. You don't know what actions people do that will give them. You don't, you don't get a death just like that. But the, why did I mention the story? That when you see angels, you know it's times, you know, coming close. Or it's, you know, it's here. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells the, these kuffar, why are you asking angels? You think you can handle an angel? You can't see. You'll die just if you see him. So that's why angel Jibreel changed his form. And he, how did, what form did he take? He took a form of a bashar and sawiyah, a human form. What type of form? What type of human? There's all sorts of humans. Sawiyah, perfect, flawless, intihai, extremely charismatic and beautiful. An angel. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, what does that mean? He appeared for her. It could mean, for her means to calm her down. Because right now I'm going to give you some tough, some, some big news. That you know, you're get, you're not only going to become. Not only I'm going to tell you that you're going to get a child. You, you're going to actually become pregnant right now. So it's a big, big stuff is going to happen. You. you don't want an added stress of seeing this angel. So Allah Subhanahu wa Taala, out of have mercy for her, He changed the shape and form to be a a very pleasing to look at human being. And then some have also mentioned, here that He became a human, a handsome human form, as a test for Maryam, as what? as a test for, for, for Maryam and to highlight for generations to come what a pure lady she was, that she's not going to fall for him. When she saw him inside, now she's in her own hijab, in her, in her place, uh, ibadah, place of ibadah, she sees a young, handsome man. What is she going to do? She says, She says, Indeed, I seek refuge 
A'udhu, I seek refuge from you in Allah the All-Merciful. Allah ki panah makta, right? Allah said, in kunta taqiyya, if, if you are at all God-fearing. What does this mean over here? We had isti'adha, right? Isti'adha means to seek refuge. Isti'adha. A'adha ya'udhu means to not seek refuge or seen talab. It means right now I'm asking, I'm, I am demanding or requesting immediately I, I get protection in you, Allah. Like, A'udhu billahi minash shaitan rajim We ask Allah Azza wa Jal protection from the accursed shaitan. It's interesting, right? Every single time we read Quran. Umuman, what do we think? Astaghfirullah. Don't say bad stuff, man. Say When we hear about bad things, we say That's good. But do you realize that the Quran is telling you every time you pick up the Quran to read, every time you intend to read the Quran, say Why is that? Every time you sit to listen to the tafsir or to teach the tafsir or to read Quran or teach the Quran, say Meaning, whenever you stand up to do the effort of deen or anything good, shaitan will definitely try to come and mess it up for you. Anytime, it's like you're pulling out sugar. All the ants and all the bees are going to come. When you start doing the work of deen, all of a sudden shaitan is going to start making you sleepy, tired, stomach ache, headache, remember this, remember that. A million things that, subhanAllah, that you never thought about before. People, people, they say, I mean, I mean, uh, oh, you know, I'm, I'm reading Quran, I'm starting falling asleep. Watch out, that means I probably need to drink some chai. No, you don't need to drink some chai. You need to read Al-Bilal Sanajib. Do, that's what you need to do. Okay? If you already drink, if you haven't drank chai, and it's your habit of drinking chai, okay, go ahead. Similarly, someone says, I got X, Y, Z, you know, a reminder. No, it's not. Just shut the phone, forget everything, and read Quran right now for 20, 30 minutes. Because shaitan will always make you remember stuff will give you headache. I'm, I promise you, Wallahi, I'm speaking the truth. You'll get stomach ache, headache, eye ache, all sorts of stuff when you want to read Quran. Or you want to do salah, or ibadah, something or another. You always, obstacles come. Don't get phased by that. Don't get phased by that. Don't think, let me run towards means of medication, calling this one and that one. You don't need anything. Do will do, and read as many times as you need to. Ask Allah for protection. And then sit down and do what you need to do. That's it. My brothers and sisters are listening. You need to be strong. Like super strong. Like you're getting into a boxing match. Boxing ring. You can't be a wuss to say, oh my God, I need this, I need that. No. You roll up your sleeves and you say, guess what? If you want to fight with me, I'm ready. I got Allah's protection and I'm ready for you, shaitan. I'm not going to get phased. I'm not going to run away and say, oh, I'll come back tomorrow. What kind of, what kind of nonsense is that? That's exactly what it is. You have a multi-million dollar match to be uh, you know, you, tonight, and you can make a million dollar in the trophy, and you and the guy scares at you. What happens in a boxing match? Do they smile? Ajaw bhai, ajaw. Let me get you flowers. Is that what happens? Or they sit there and intimidate you, scare you, and say the most ruthless things, right? The purpose is to create fear within you. And if you are a boxer, that enrages you even more. Acha, oh, that's what you said? Watch what I'm going to do when I come inside. Yeah, that's what I'm supposed to do. So when shaitan messes with your mind, makes you remember things, gives you pain, it should rile you up more, make you even more angry. And to say, I will not get phased by this. I'm not going to close the Quran and say, inshallah, tomorrow. No, I don't care what type of, if I dedicated this time to read Quran, if I dedicate, I'm telling you, listen to what I'm saying. I dedicate this time for salah. I dedicate this time for giving sadaqah. I dedicate this time to spending time with my parents. Do not allow any other obstacle to come in between. No matter what phone call it is or whatever the case may be, shut it. And say that I'm going to take care of it later on. The world's not going to fall apart. Even if it says it's going to fall apart, it will forget it. It's not going to fall apart. It's a lie. It's a lie. Stay out with me, and do the work of deen that you're supposed to do.
because this is all happening with all of us. How many of us, subhanAllah, are trying to do something in dini, but there's obstacles and obstacles and obstacles. Ramadan is about two months away. Our Khatm al-Quran month. Remember the last dua we made? Well, there you go. This Thursday night is our month ending. Ask yourself, how much Quran did you read from last, last month till this month? Before you know it, you all said, yeah, we're going to do one khatam. Did we? Have we done a family khatam? Have we done a siblings khatam? Ask yourself. Already it's right here. That's how quick time is flying. This Thursday night, by the way, after Isha will be our monthly khatam Quran. So do something about it. If you're listening to me right now, do something. Get your family together. Do a khatam till Thursday. And it can be done. But do not get phased by these obstacles. Any type of dhikr we do, any type of dhikr someone says, Yaj bhul gaya. I forgot today. I wasn't able to do it. I'm speaking to myself, number one, and to all my beloved brothers and sisters. By, one person came to my Ustad Monachok. He said, He said, What is the treatment for laziness? Some amulet, something I can hang on my neck. All of a sudden, I get, you know. And one was one Monachok, he said, One person came, he said, He said, I drive car really fast. Give me a, you know, Tawis for that. Hazrat Monachok would always say, By Sustika Ilaje, Chusti. That's it. He says that treat, the way you treat laziness is by becoming strong, willpowered. And you just stand up and say, all right, I'm going to roll up my sleeve, I'm going to do it. That's it. Determination. So if you have to do dhikr after salah, if, you know, then do it. Don't say, oh my God, I forgot about it. What is that supposed to mean? You never forget to go to work. You never forget to eat. Why is it that we forget to do this? Why is it we forget to do that? That's shaitan playing tricks with us. So stop thinking that you're excused. Stop thinking that I'm, you know, like this. No, you have no excuses. We have to fight against shaitan anytime he comes and messes with us, our dini work. So this is what she said. I seek refuge in the merciful, most merciful Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Minka from you, O oh, human being, whoever you are, if you have any sense of you know, dignity. There's more things to be said on this aspect of it, her seeking refuge and whatnot. Inshallah, we'll end at this beautiful point. And... Uh, Interestingly, in Kunta Taqiyah is exactly where I ended last week. <laughs> and so we're going to go back to in Kunta Taqiyah, the aspects of, of course, relationship between males and females, gender relations, um, hijab and parda at home, and haya and modesty. Very, very important topics. Inshallah, with Allah's will, we'll cover next week. I uh, want to end with a dua. Um, uh, we, we have um, many, again, people who are sick, etc. We'll make dua for them. Um, but also a specific person, uh, Hafiz Shakil, who is a father of, of our students and who is a um, well-known Hifz teacher in New York for many, many, many years and now in Indiana Madrasa. And for, he just visited us two weeks ago, subhanAllah, he came here toward the masjid and whatnot. And he is now in, uh, with COVID in the hospital and, and is not doing too well, I was told. So for him, as well as whoever else are going through a difficult time, let us, inshallah, wa ta'ala, uh, make dua for them. بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم اللهم لك السلام والسلام وبارك على جلاله والكرام اللهم لك الحمد كله ولك الشكر كله اللهم لا نحصي ثناء عليك انت كما اثنيت على نفسك اللهم يا حي يا قيوم يا حي يا قيوم يا حي يا قيوم يا حي يا قيوم يا احد الصمد الذي لم يلد ولم يولد ولم يكن له كفوا احد ظلمنا انفسنا ولم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لكوننا من الخاسرين لا اله الا هو الحي الكريم سبحان الله رب العرش العظيم والحمد لله رب العالمين اللهم انا نسالك موجبات رحمتك وعزائم مغفرتك والغنيمه من كل بر والسلامه من كل اثم اللهم لا تجعلنا في مقامنا هذا ذنبا الا غفرته ولا هما الا فرجته ولا مريضا الا شفيته ولا دينا الا قضيته ولا ضالا الا هديته ولا حاجه من حوائج الدنيا والاخره هي لك رضا ولنا فيها صلاه الا اعنتنا ويسرتها لنا يا ارحم الراحمين اللهم ربنا ظلمنا انفسنا وان لم تغفر لنا وترحمنا لنكونن من الخاسرين اللهم ربنا اتنا في الدنيا حسنه وفي الاخره حسنه وقنا عذاب النار 
اللهم ربنا لا تزغ قلوبنا بعد اذ هديتنا وهب لنا من لدنك رحمه انك انت الوهاب ربنا افرغ علينا الصبر وتوفنا مسلمين اللهم انا نسالك التقوى والتقى والعفاف والغنى اللهم انك عفو تحب العفو فاعف عنا اللهم مغفرتك وسع من ذنوبنا ورحمتك ارجع عند من عملنا اللهم اجعل القران العظيم ربيع قلوبنا وجلاء احزاننا واذهب همومنا وغمومنا وسائقنا الى جناتك جنات النعيم اللهم اعصمنا من الشيطان الرجيم اللهم اعصمنا من الشيطان الرجيم اللهم نعوذ بك من ابليس وجنودي اللهم نعوذ بك من ابليس وجنودي اللهم نعوذ بك من ابليس وجنودي حسبنا الله ونعم الوكيل لا اله الا الله عليه توكلنا اللهم اشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم اشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم اشف مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم اشف شفاء كاملا دائما عاجلا مستمرا نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم ان يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم ان يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين نسال الله العظيم رب العرش العظيم ان يشفي مرضانا ومرضى المسلمين اللهم اشف حينا وميتنا وشاهدنا وغائبنا وصغيرنا وكبيرنا وذكرنا ومنفعنا اللهم نحيت منا فحي على الاسلام ومن توفيت منا فتوفى على الايمان يا الله اكسبت اور اور جاذرنج توداي او الله والله وي اسك يو جرانت speaker and the listeners all to practice on whatever was shared Allah whatever good was shared it was indeed from you Allah whatever mistakes were made in these was from our own nafs and shaitan Allah we ask you the ability to grant us tawfiq Ya Allah grant us tawfiq grant us the strength and the ability Ya Allah to be able to 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 to, to be able to attach ourselves to the Quran to be able to recite Quran abundantly to be able to do dhikr abundantly to be able to dedicate us ourselves and our children for the service of being oh Allah allow all of us to have such amazing women in our family ya allah who will raise the generation in the best possible manner allow us all to to find such wives ya allah who will be able to raise the children of that uh, uh, as as the way maryam as-salam's mother raised her and the way maryam as-salam uh, raised isa as-salam you know allah allow all of us to uh, to become those ya allah uh, individuals and those husbands and those fathers and those sons who will facilitate that ya allah oh allah we ask you allah to grant all of us the ability to serve deen through our health through our wealth through our talents through our intelligence oh allah through our fikr and through our concerns oh allah we ask you to protect all of us our extended families from not only coronavirus but all other illnesses and physical diseases spiritual diseases mental illnesses emotional illnesses ya allah protect darus salam and all the musallis and the staff members the teachers the students and their families oh allah and all the patrons and the listeners and those who benefit from this place and the well wishers of this place and the support of this place from every trial from every tribulation especially attacks on on iman protect them from the evil plotting of shaitan evil plotting of the those who harbor jealousy and malice oh allah we ask you allah to protect this entire institution from top to bottom in all aspects of its operations from the shaitan from from shayateen of humans and shayateen of jinn subhana rabbika rabbil izati amma yasifun wa salamun alal mursalin walhamdulillahi rabbil alamin amin assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh